All right, guys, it looks like the stage is finally set as our next guest is set to take on Kamara Usman on November 6th at UFC 268, potentially in Madison Square Garden for the undisputed UFC welterweight championship in one of the most heated rivalries and rematches in UFC history. You guys asked for him. Here he is, Colby Chaos Covington. Welcome back, man. How are you? I'm doing great, boys. Thanks to have you back. No one I'd rather talk to before probably my last interview before the fight and fight week. So no one I'd rather talk to than you guys down under. And I can't wait to dive into business today. Wow. Well, that's that's an honor right there. And I mean, look at this. Look at that shirt. This is I feel like there's a different vibe about this interview already. This it's like we're celebrating something, Colby. And the first thing we have to bring up, we have to confirm it. Reports aside, is it official? Will you be facing Kamaru Usman on November 6th? in the states it is it is official i've signed my bout agreement i know usman signed his side they paid him finally en enough money to come take this ass whooping so it's going down you know and it looks like it's going to happen in madison square garden november 6th bearing any you know crazy uh calls from the government officials over there you don't know what they're going to do if they're going to shut down the city if they're going to require vaccine passports to get in the arena so you know, there's still a lot of uh, hoops to go through before November 6th, but that date, it will happen. If it doesn't happen in New York, I would assume it, it happens, you know, in the in the home city of the UFC, which is Las Vegas. So, you know, all I'm worried about is, is November 6th and that date. I will be ready at my best and I'll pick myself as the pound for pound number one fighter that day. Dude, there's so much to talk about. But first thing I want to mention is Madison Square Garden. I mean, it's a palace to anyone who's a combat fight fan. And whenever me and Casper go into Madison Square Garden, you kind of touch the ground a little bit because you're like, man, I can't believe I'm here. So such an iconic venue. When you think of Madison Square Garden and the fact that you're going to be headlining a fight there, what comes to mind when you think about the other great memories that you've had from Madison Square Garden? Is there a fight or a moment that comes to mind now that you know you might be fighting there? Yeah, definitely. You know, I mean, Hulkamania started there. Hey. A wrestling fan, mm -hmm. So, you know, all the wrestling fans out there know Hulkamania started there. You know, Ali Frazier happened down there. So all there's a ton of history there. You know, it's the most iconic arena in the USA. You know, there's the biggest events and the most entertainment that goes down. It always happens at Madison Square Garden and NYC, you know, the biggest market in the world. So, you know, it, it's an honor and it's it's really a privilege to be able to go there and fight there. And I hope it ends up happening there. You know, I hope that, you know, th there's not any dirty politics that go down and, and they prevent it from happening because I'd love to light up the garden and and flip NYC upside down. Yeah, absolutely, man. Now, let's unpack this whole thing because this fight has been talked about and speculated for obviously a very long time. Dana White's beat the drum about how it's one of the greatest fights he's seen, uh, but we didn't hear anything from Usman for a while and nothing was locked in. When exactly did this actually come together? When did you know that this was official? Oh, uh, you know, I've noticed it, it was a, it was going to happen for many months now. You know, Dana White was promising the media. Hunter Campbell was promising that it was going to happen. You know, they were given their word. They don't go back on their word at the UFC. You know, the, they're, they're very professional and they're very businesslike over there. And when they give you their word, their word is gold. So I knew it was going to happen for many months. It was just a matter of how long it was going to take and how long, you know, Usman was going to delay it. You know, he's he's got to get some new EPO. He is the CEO of EPO. So. Marty Juiceman is looking for his doctor to heal him up, get some new EPO, and be ready to go for round two with me because he knows he got lucky the first time we fought. It was an uneven playing field that night. It's going to be a completely different outcome this time. It's going to be a one-on-one, mano-a-mano fight, and it's going to be a test to see who's the best welterweight in the world. And 
And I just, I love the media dorks out there. Everybody's pegging him. Oh, he's number one pound for pound. They want to downplay my accomplishments, guys. They don't want to talk about what I've done in this sport. I've achieved greatness in this sport, but they just want to act like, you know, nothing. They don't want to appreciate me, man. They want to, they just want to downplay me at every stop. You know, they don't want to talk about me being the first fighter to ever go to the White House, me being a UFC champ, me being the number one ranked fighter. They just want to talk about, oh, I got destroyed last time. It's not competitive, this fight. Oh, he's going to get destroyed, this and that. They just want to talk shit on my name because they know they can't stop me and they, and they know what I've done and my resume speaks for itself. So that's why you guys are going to be one of the last people to get this interview. I'm sick of these dorks out here, these little bloggers in their mom's basements. They're not even the best burger flippers in their towns. And they want to talk about me, the best fighter in the UFC, being, you know, not irrelevant and not Dude, deserving, I not deserving. Well, I was going to say, this is going to be a huge fight, but I know that you mentioned to us that you kind of agreed straight away after your last win to take this fight with Dana. You guys spoke, but I'm wondering, um, was there much more in the negotiations? Was it a situation where you agreed straight away? And why do you think it took Kamaru so, so long to sign on the dotted line? I think he mentioned at the start of this interview just before he was trying to negotiate for more money to fight you. Break that down for us. Oh, uh, you know, he was trying to find any way out of not fighting me, guys. I mean, he was looking. You've seen him looking, begging for Nate Diaz. Guy, the guy's a lightweight, lightweight jobber. The guy's a Stockton soy boy. He's not even a 500-level fighter. I mean, the guy hasn't won a fight in like six years. The guy's not even relevant. He's just begging to fight that guy and get an easy paycheck and do anything to avoid me and not rematch. He knows the first time we fought, it was a fluke, man. He got lucky. I slipped on a banana peel in the fifth round. I was beating him three rounds to one. That was my fight. He knows that. Deep down inside, he knows that. He felt me in there. He really knows what I bring to the table, and that's why he was trying to avoid it. But, you know, the UFC, they, they get stuff down over there. Hunter Campbell don't play games. You know, Dana White, they don't mess around. When they want, you know, these fights done, they're going to happen, and they're going to do whatever it takes to make it happen, and that's what happened. They did whatever it takes to make it happen on his side. You know, I agreed to basic terms, and I'm ready to go out there and smash him and cement my legacy, you know, and I just can't wait to see what the, the headlines are after I smash his face in November 8th, Monday morning. Mm. Um, just out of curiosity, uh, because it's such a massive fight, is there any extra incentive for you, uh, you know, financially, anything like pay-per-view points or anything like that? No, unfortunately, I, you know, I'm not the, the so-called champion. You know, I really am America's champion. I'm Donald Trump's favorite fighter. I'm the people's champion. But, you know, the, Marty's keeping this belt warm for me. He's got the official title. He got lucky. He cheated last time we fought. You know, that's why he got the name Marty Fake Newsman. He's a cheater. He's a coward. He slowed my momentum when I kicked him in the livery, called the nut shot. No one wants to talk about how I beat him in multiple rounds. And I had him all the way up into the finish. And it was an early stoppage. I was still in the fight. I stood right up and protested it as he hit me in the back of the head six or seven times in the finishing sequence, which wasn't a finish. So, you know... I was ready to go. I'm ready to go. I'm going to get that title and I'm going to earn my right in this company as the biggest fighter this company's ever seen. It's fascinating because I know when we spoke last time, you mentioned how you'd give uh, Kamaru a rematch if things go to plan and you win that title. Is that still the plan for you? And was there like a rematch clause or anything put in that contract um, for Kamaru before he signed it? I'm going to tell you guys the honest truth because mm -hmm. no one wants to talk about my evolution as a fighter. They just want to talk about Marty. He's unbeatable. He's beating these lightweight scrubs. He's beating a guy I was beating up 10 years ago. My son, journeyman, fragile guy, street Judas Masvidal. I mean, the guy's a bum. He's been beating absolute nobodies, and they're talking about his progression as a fighter. They haven't seen a glimpse of my evolution. You know, I, I, it was a walk in the park my last fight with Tyrone Woodley. 
and, and I, I didn't even show a glimpse of my evolution. It's been o- almost a year since then. So, you know, I'm going to completely dismantle Usman on November 6th, and I'm going to show him levels above everybody in this organization. Everybody knows how, how hard you train. You're a studious guy. Since that day in December 14th, 2019, how many times have you rewatched that fight? Probably 20 to 30 times. You know, I, I've studied it meticulously. You know, it, it, it's despicable, the roughing in that fight. I mean, just absolutely atrocious. You know, the momentum shifts, the momentum stops, giving him multiple breaks, five-minute breaks to recover, you know, what I had him badly hurt. So I see I see a lot of holes, you know, in his game. And, and, and I saw a lot, of, a lot of things that I did wrong that, that are going to be corrected. You know, I've been at a new gym. You know, I have my... My, my striking coach, Cesar Carnero, we've worked, you know, just extensively on little tiny game plan issues that Usman's not going to be able to stop. No one's exploited these weaknesses. I mean, and I'm the guy that, that can do it because I'm the guy that can push him to the limit, make him wrestle, make him have to fight. And, and he can't put everything together. And, and he's, he's good when he's able to control the fight, take guys down, get him tired. And then boom, he's going to knock you out. He's going to get you thinking, take down again and boom, strike. It's not going to be like that this time. I've been working hard with my coach, Cesar Carnero. Daniel Valverde, I have a new strength and conditioning coach, Jonathan Lopez. We put together a crazy plan, guys. Like, I'm in the best shape of my life. You're going to see the Cardio King, November 6th, live on pay-per-view. Madison Square Garden, baby. Dude, let's talk a little bit about um, that moment because people know how unquestionably disciplined you are. You don't drink, you don't smoke, you know, you don't really party. You just train, eat clean, and arguably live the perfect athletic lifestyle. So when you're so singularly focused and driven, and I mean, you've been doing this, you know, pretty much your whole life. Take us into that moment when things didn't quite go your way against Kamara Usman. I mean, how do you approach that losing element? Like, I imagine if someone like yourself, who's so invested, who puts in so much work to get perfection from himself, and then everything, you know, you do everything right, and then you get into that fight, and it doesn't go the way that you wanted mentally. How did you approach that? And how did you get past that? And was there a moment there where it was a little bit difficult to get past? Because it would have been a difficult thing when you walked out of that octagon and you were like, man, you know, this didn't quite play out the way that I wished. Yeah, you know, I didn't dwell on it at all. The next day, I knew I wasn't on, at my best on December 14, 2019. It wasn't my performance, guys, but no one knew on, on the inside behind the curtains, what really happened, you know, the things that led up to the fight, you know, the, I had food poisoning. That, that's not something I, I say is the truth. I mean, the, the UFC performance Institute, they can attest to it. There's people there that had to come by my hotel and give me a rehydration kit because I was puking 30 times before the fight. So multiple things with little injuries, little things, the bad calls in the fight, the food poisoning, just, it wasn't my best night guys. And, and I knew I didn't give my best night and, and, and he didn't get the best Colby chaos Covington he's ever seen December 14, 2019. But I was able to get over it because I'm like, you know what? It was his best night. It was my worst night. And that's what happened. I still should have beat him. And it was that close, but you know, I'm a hardworking blue collar American. I'm just like any guy in this, in this country. If we face a little adversity, we can't dwell on it. We can't cry over spilled milk. We can't cry over the past. All I can focus is on the moment and the future. And right now in the moment, I'm the best I've ever been. And in the future, I'm going to be better than I've ever been. And I'm going to correct all the wrongs and all the weaknesses that I've had from my past. I think you were sort of in, in, the, in the middle or towards the end of all those sort of issues at American Top Team. Obviously, you've got Colby Covington Incorporated now. But um I don't know. I was thinking about it the other day, and that would have been incredibly difficult, like training at a gym where there's so many people that you're not sort of getting along with, and you've got people breaking up your sessions, and sort of not everybody on the same page. 
looking back on it, how much did that sort of affect you and your progression and maybe even your performances, do you think? You guys hit the nail on the head. I didn't want to bring up their name and, and give them any cloud because they don't deserve anything. They're, they're not, they're not, you know, this top team, you know, and they're not American because, you know, they don't believe in freedom of speech. So, you know, they, they kick someone out for freedom of speech. But, you know, the energy that was in the gym every day, I, I didn't want to complain, make those excuses, but it was bad. I mean, everybody knows the history that I've had with some of those fighters, you know, journeyman street Judas Masvidal, you know, doofus Dustin Poirier, the fake nice guy, the fake charitable, you know, uh, family man, oh, his little Jezebel of a wife, you know, and but that energy every single day, these guys trying to attack me when I'm training, stop my training session. They can't be professional and business-like and just mind their own business. They have to come over here crying. And I couldn't really train. And, and it was it zapped my energy, man. And, it, and my focus wasn't there because I was always watching my back, worried about if someone was going to come up behind me and, and sucker punch me. So it did affect my progression as a fighter. But that's why I'm glad I removed that situation and, and that bad energy. And I've gotten in good energy at Colby Covington Incorporated and MMA Masters. You know, I have such a great team behind me now, just people that are a family to me that love me. It's not about the clout. It's not about the paychecks. It's about evolving. It's about getting better as martial artists and, and as people in life. So, you know, I had the best situation I've ever been in right now with my coaches and my team and everybody behind me. And I feel unstoppable. I don't feel there's any man in the world that can stop me. I don't care if King Kong and the Hulk were in the same ring that night. I'm getting my hand raised. It doesn't matter who's in there with me. It's interesting to hear you talk about how good things are now and you're such in such a good place uh, mentally and with your training. And people talk often about how you know great rivalries bring out the best in both, both competitors. People need great rivalries in combat sports careers. And I wonder if the Usman fight kind of did that, even though it was a loss, it didn't go your way. I wonder if, um, you know, seeing Usman and him being so active and then obviously him sort of he's he's still the champion i wonder if that sort of brought something out of you and and helped you kind of level up in a way that that um that that the outcome of that fight that night helped you to get you to, to where you are now it did guys and, and that's not any credit to him you know it's it's more credit to to you know the game and the state of where the championship level caliber is in the ufc so you know, I, before I was playing games, guys, you know, when I was fighting him before it was games, I was there for a show. I was trying to entertain the crowd. I was trying to give a show for the people. They pay these hard earned money, you know, to, to watch our fights, to pay for the pay-per-view. So I was giving a show. I was, I was, I was playing around. I wasn't taking it serious. Now I'm serious guys. Now I'm pissed off. Now I have a bad taste in my mouth and chip on my shoulder. And November 6th, I'm going to show the best Colby chaos coming to and it will be a different outcome. I'm going to finish Marty fake newsman. It's not going to the judges and there's not going to be a ref in there to save him and stop my momentum. I will finish him inside that octagon and I will be crowned undisputed welterweight champion of the world. And guess what? He's not going to want a rematch. You know, unlike me where it was close and I deserve a rematch and I got screwed out of that last fight and it was an early stoppage. This fight, I'm going to finish Marty. He's going to be begging to retire. He's not going to want to fight me ever again. I guarantee it. I think you brought it up earlier in, in the interview, and I want to sort of get into it now. I mean, it's been a little bit since we've been able to see you fight. Um, how, how do you sort of deal with the fact that you haven't been able to stay as active as you would have liked because you've been waiting for this fight to get locked in? And sort of take us into how you deal with the fact that you got, you, you know, this next fight, it's still a little while away, and then you got to go in there and you got to get rid of all of that rust or the, deal with all that inactivity. Do you believe? Do you believe in cage rust? Do you believe in in inactivity affecting a fighter? Break it down for us. 
No, definitely not. I mean, who who believes in ring rust? You believe in ring rust if you're mentally weak and and that's what you're going to put in your mind. And you're you're going to manifest those thoughts and that's what's going to come out. You know, that's that's a that's a big energy type thing. And people don't understand their energy and the thoughts that you put in your head every day. They come into real life. Those actions come into le- real life. You know, I predicted everything that I was going to do in my career. No one wants to believe it. Everybody wants to downplay it. No one wants to appreciate me. Everybody wants to just say, oh, it was easy. I didn't do this. I didn't do that. They just want to talk shit, throw, throw rocks on their glass house because th- that's all they can do. You know, they can't come and step in the octagon and, and accomplish what I've accomplished. So, you know, I'm a hardworking man. You know, I come from, you know, a family of military. You know, I, I've seen, you know, I fight for our troops and I see the way they train every single day. They're getting up at three or four in the morning, five in the morning, and they're working all single day tirelessly, you know, sacrificing everything for, for the red, white, and blue, for our country, America. And, and I see the way the first responders, they, they leave their families every single day and they have to put everything, they have to put their neck on the line. They don't know if they're going to come home to those families. So that's what puts things in perspective for me and helps me to work hard every day to keep getting better. It doesn't matter if I'm fighting, I'm still training my butt off and I'm working my absolute hardest to keep improving and keep being the best version of myself. Every time I fought in my career, guys, I've gotten better. And you've seen a new level of Colby that you haven't seen before. And I guarantee the same thing is going to happen November 6th. Well, yeah, that's the interesting thing. Like you've obviously moved on to train with Cesar Carnero, MMA Masters. He's moved on as well. And he's training with Trevor Whitman. We've seen his evolution. We saw your evolution in the Woodley fight. It's almost like, uh, would you say this is a part two? Or does this feel to you like almost a, a completely different fight? How different... Uh, will this fight be and how different is the Usman now that you're going to be facing compared to 2019? You know, it's the same Usman, you know, the same Marty Juiceman from 2019. It's a different Colby Chaos coming to 2021. The thing is, yeah, he's beating a guy he's beaten up for his whole career at, at his gym. You know, he's beating that guy up. He's a little lightweight scrub Dilbert. I mean, the guy's a nobody. The guy got dropped with a jab that's absolutely pathetic. That you're a lightweight for a reason and he beat him up. So it's not special to beat up some guy you beat up your whole career at your gym. And then you beat up journeyman, the fragile guy, street Judas Mosfidal. You think there's pride and honor in that beating that guy twice. You think you're a big deal. This pound for pound God, the greatest of all time beating a guy who has almost 20 losses on his record. The guy's a complete scrub. I mean, I beat that guy. Like I said, 10 years ago. He's my son. I was beating him up for the last eight years straight. He never won a second of a round off of me. That guy's absolutely pathetic. And if you call yourself a goat for fighting that guy, oh, I love it. Keep buying into that. Keep feeding into that ego. And, and you know, the media is going to keep stroking his ego like he's this this god and this pound for pound number one. So it's going to be great. It's the same guy that I fought before. And I see all the holes and weaknesses in his game. And I'm going to exploit them. November 6th, live, only on pay-per-view. Is a part of you kind of glad that uh, Kamaru has a- was able to stay the champion and hold the belt and, you know, go on a win streak and defend that title and now you get to fight him for the title? Rather, let's say, if, you know, Gilbert Burns became the champion or, you know, Masvidal became the champion, do you feel like it's more of a statement if you do it against Kamaru Usman? Yeah, I was nervous. You know, if he fought that, if that nervous or if that fragile guy, Street Judas Masvidal, would have got somehow got lucky and hit a Hail Mary again like he did to to make his career, I was nervous because he would have avoided me so hard. He would have never fought me. I mean, he's already avoided me so long and the fans can see that now that he's a little bitch and he's my son. So if he would have won, I would have never got to fight for the title again. So yeah, I am glad that, that Marty Juiceman still has the, the belt and 
it's a fake belt, you know, it's not a real belt, but it will be unified November 6th. And, you know, I'm happy, you know, and everybody thinks he's this much better and he's this God pound for pound. Number one, greatest welterweight of all time. It just makes it that much sweeter. November 6th, when I get my hands on him and completely decimate him and completely end his career, the, the, the narrative is going to be so funny on Monday morning after that fight. I just, I can't wait to see what the headlines read. They'll be making excuses for him that, oh, you know, he had an off night, oh, this and that. They'll never give the credit that, I, that I'm due. It's going to be interesting as well because um, if things do go to plan and you do become the champ, um, see, you believe that Kamara Usman won't want that third fight. You believe that he'll want to sort of move along. And my my thought on it is, what what is your thought on the division? Because if it's not Kamara Usman challenging you for the title, the guys in the rankings, you know, you got names like Leon Edwards, you know, Jorge Mazadal will probably be trying to get a title shot as well because you guys have that great rivalry. Um, as, as well between you two. Then you got names like Nick Diaz in there. I know Nick Diaz is coming back. How do you view the rest of the division if you did become champion? And who would you potentially even look at giving a title shot to if it wasn't Kamari Usman? Guys, there's there's only one fight to make after I absolutely destroy Marty Fake Newsman and dump him on his head and give him a wedgie live in Madison Square Garden November 6th. The only fight to make is me and Dustin, the, the, the soy boy Sawyer. That's the only fight, guys. He's him and his family. They're Louisiana swamp trash. Him and his little Jezebel of a wife. Him and his little kid that he uses as a prop, like he's a family man. The fake charity guy, he's, which is a write-off for his business. He he doesn't really donate that money to kids and people. He's just using that as a tax write-off. He's a fake nice guy on camera. He's a piece of shit off camera. I've seen this guy. I know how he is. I've seen how he treats other people. He's a piece of shit. He's a dirtbag. I'm gonna expose him. He said he was on site. I thought it was on site, guys. Why is he quiet now? Because he knows I'm coming from, and he knows he's not a man of his word. He talked all this shit before the media. Oh, it's on site when I see Kobe. I've seen him 50 times since then, and he walked right away. He put his eyes down, walked right past me like the good little bitch that he is. So I am Dustin Doofus Soria's daddy, his little Jezebel of a wife, Joe Lee, his little props for his family. That's the only fight to make after I destroy Marty Fake Newsman November 6th. So just quickly going off that, what did you think of the way he was able to beat Conor McGregor uh, just a few weeks ago? He didn't beat him. That's not a win. You know, that was a fluke. You know, Conor broke his broke his ankle. You know, he threw a kick and landed on the elbow. It's a complete fluke and accident. That's not a win. You can't count that as a win. So, you know, I don't count that as a win. It's a fluke injury. You got the luckiest, you know, whatever you want to call it in the history of the sport. So good. You got You got a nice, easy paycheck and you're walking in and strutting in the guy's face at his downfall, you know, while he's sitting there laying on the ground. That guy just made your career, Dustin. You should show that guy some respect. He made you the biggest money you'll ever make in your career. You're a jobber, you're a nobody. No one would care about you if it wasn't for Connor. And, and you're strutting in his face, so who's the nice guy now? He just patted your, and your, your little prop of a family, you know, your little Louisiana swamp trash family. He just patted your guy's bank account, you're strutting in his face. I thought you were a nice charitable guy. No, you're a piece of shit. I'm going to expose you. And if I do see you in the streets of South Florida, I guarantee I'm not holding back and I'm going to drop you on the fucking concrete, you piece of shit. Man, I'll tell you, so many rivalries. I, I wonder as well, because just trying to do the math on this, by the time you fight Kamaru, if everything goes to plan and you do become the champion, uh, who knows, Dustin might have already have a fight booked in with Charles Oliveira. So is the plan to fight him if he becomes the lightweight champion? And if that's the case... I mean, are you doing it at welterweight? I know you're not the biggest welterweight. Do you think you could even make it down to lightweight and go for a double title? What's your thought there? 
We can meet in the middle. I'm not a big welterweight. To on to be honest, guys, Dustin weighs a damn near 200 pounds. He's a big guy, man. He just cuts all that weight because he's scared to fight real men. The thing is, is Dustin's not a real man. He doesn't want to fight in his real weight class. He's cutting all this weight because he's a bully. He doesn't want to fight his real his real weight class. He, the guy weighs damn near 200 pounds. I weigh 185. I can make 160, 163. You know, we can meet in the middle 155 and 170. So I'm not a bully. I fight at my natural weight. I don't need to cut all this weight to get to lightweight to have this big advantage over guys. He knows he can't beat guys at 170. He knows he's not a well-rounded fighter. He's a one-punch, you know, type fighter, lucky fighter. You know, he's a stand-up fighter, brawl, stand in the pocket, get hit, take one, give one. He's not a well-complete fighter, and he knows what happens if he fought his real weight class, 170, welterweight. He would get destroyed. So, you know, he cuts all of that weight. He's a little bully. He's a piece of shit. We can meet at any weight class. We can put both belts on the line. Who knows if he's going to come fight, you know, Charles. The guy's a nobody, too, so he doesn't put any pay-per-view draws for him. He doesn't make him a lot of money if he fights that fight, so... You know, he might wait and, and see how the division plays out and how the UFC landscape plays out. But I can tell you one thing. We weigh the same, you know, and and, we, and this fight needs to happen. He talked all that shit to the media. So come back it up, bitch. Well, people love a great rivalry, man. But going back to, well, arguably the biggest rivalry right now, you and Usman. Um, I have to ask you this, man, because obviously everybody loves the nicknames that you give people. Uh, and you've dubbed him as the CEO of EPO. Obviously, EPO a lot in the headlines lately um, with you know TJ Dillashaw's return and stuff. Where where exactly does that stem from? Why, why is he the CEO of EPO? Because he's been doing EPO his whole career. It's so obvious, you know, his chemical imbalance in his body. You know, he's got the pimples all over his back, all over his face. You're a 35-year-old man. You don't have – you're not going through puberty and you're in your teens anymore. You should not be having that chemical imbalance and that breakout, you know. That's from his testosterone and and, and, um, and, and being out of whack, you know. And his estrogen to testosterone levels are out of whack, so – you know, he is the CEO of EPO. I've heard firsthand from some people that he trained with, some people that I might have went to wrestle to college with that said the same thing. They could they could verify it, that he has done EPO and he's injected it in his asshole, in his ass, not his asshole, excuse my <laughs> language there, but he's, he's uh, you know, injected his ass. So he's the CEO of EPO. He's Marty Juiceman. Is that a concern for you, uh, you know, when fighting him? No, because I felt it before. I know what he, when it comes to the table. You know, I know he's going to be doing it. You know, there's ways to get around the test. They're not blood testing. You know, they're doing a piss test here and there. They're not going to blood test them. They're going to let him get away with it. But, you know, you got to live with those with that the rest of your life. you got to live with that on your conscience that you had to cheat your whole way through your career. I know I'm an all natural American. I, I worked the hard way, you know, blue collar, earned it, blood, sweat and tears. You know, this is this is earned to the very core, to the very root. Naturally, I didn't cheat. I didn't cut corners. I took the long way to get here. So. You know, he has to live with that. He's going to have problems later in life. You know, his organs, all that stuff's going to shut down. You know, he's, he's, he's taking years off his life, but that's the choice he has to live with. If that's what he wants to do, that's what he's doing. But you cannot stop destiny. And this is destiny. November 6th is destiny. Colby Chaos Covington will be the UFC welterweight champion in the world. And there's not a steroid in the world that can stop it. We've seen a lot of really entertaining lead-ups to fights with yourself. And obviously a lot of heat in that first lead-up. What are you expecting from Fight Week, Colby? And also the fact that you don't really get along with Kamara Usman's team yourself. Obviously, you and his manager have had some issues in the past. Are you gonna? Are you expecting a pretty heated Fight Week? Give us a little preview. 
you know, I'm just expecting a normal fight week for me. You know, wherever I go, it's chaos and it's unpredictable. You don't know what I'm going to bring to the table. But I can tell you, he's not going to want to mess with the crew that I'm rolling in with. Some of the first responders, my cornerman, uh, Sergeant Charlie Weiss of the Miami Beach Police Department. The guy's a savage. And I have, you know, the Secret Service loves me. You know, I stand for all the troops, all the military, all the first responders. So you don't want to mess with me. You want to come over here. You want to step into my lane and act like you, you've you done something yourself when you're wanted for as a fighter. Your manager, shut up. Stop talking about the real men. Let the real men do work. This is between Marty Juiceman and Colby Chaos Covington. This is between no one else. And, and you know, I'm sure UFC will do a great job with their security team keeping us separated and until we step in that octagon because I don't want to have to drop Marty on his head or beat him up before the fight and him have to pull out with a sore thumb. Mm. Um, we'll let you go in a sec, Colby. We don't want, we don't want to take up your whole day. Um, but I was going to ask you, like, when you hear... Uh, a lot of people talk about Usman, you know, the evolution, the way he's knocking people out. People have him on the pound for pound, you know, rankings. Do you feel, do you have a chip on your shoulder? Does that put a chip on your shoulder? And do you feel like an underdog, you know, coming into this fight? Absolutely. And I know I am an underdog, you know, the, the odds makers, they're fools too. They're all losers. These guys have never worked hard in their life. They don't know what it's like to go earn something. So they want to peg him as a Two and a half to one favorite, three to one favorite. It's, it's, it's a joke, man. It's a mockery to the sport, but they don't know the sport. You know, they're watching him beat these little lightweights, these little guys that he's supposed to beat. You know, these guys that I've already beaten years ago. You know, he followed in my footsteps. If I make a sandwich, he's going to make the sandwich the same way. And, and they think he's a god now. He's a pound for pound number one. He's knocking people out, blah, blah, blah. Okay, we'll see. You don't want to talk about what happened the first time, how I was beating him in multiple rounds, how I had him. I had him almost finished in the fight until he had to fake a nut shot and change my momentum. It was an early stoppage. They don't want to talk about those things. They don't want to give me the credit where the credits do. They just want to. They just want to. You know, they want to just talk shit because they can't do anything. And and they're little bloggers. They're not even. They didn't even get journalism degrees. So you're an MMA journalism. These guys because you couldn't make it in the big sports in America because you guys don't know how to write journalism. You you don't know how to write impartial journalism. So. They always have biased opinions, but opinions are like assholes. Everybody has them, and most of the time they stink. Do you relish? Uh, I feel like you've been an underdog. Like you mentioned, you've been an underdog your whole career. Do you relish that? Is there a part of you that kind of enjoys it? I know some people kind of almost get extra driven by the idea that they're an underdog or, in a way, purposely see themselves in an underdog to, to give them that extra drive. You know, I try not to pay attention to the, to the odds too much. Obviously, I do know them because – Everybody's putting them in my face now, but you know, for the most part, my soul is on fire right now and, and I want redemption and I want to get my revenge on this guy who cheated the last time we fought and who's just a plain cheater in life. So I want to expose him in front of the world. You know, I want the world to be lit on fire. You know, it's going to be hilarious. It's going to be the snowflake Armageddon. Everybody's going to be crying. All the nerds and virgins are going to be coming out crying. Oh no, Kobe's the champion. What's he going to say next? Blah, blah, blah. These words hurt my feelings. Oh, some words hurt your feelings, but it's okay to go in the octagon and send someone out in a stretcher. So, you know, I relish in it. It's awesome. But, you know, all the pressure's on Marty. He's got to come out here and perform like he's the number one pound for pound fighter, like he's his three to one favorite. No pressure on me. I'm going to go on the November 6th and I'm going to handle business accordingly. And I will be the undisputed welterweight champion in the world. 
Man, it's crazy to hear somebody saying that they're going to be MSG but not feeling any pressure. I can't even imagine what that moment would feel like. Uh, but just quickly, man, it's no secret that obviously MSG's got a massive hire fee. The UFC obviously has to, you know, put on a massive, massive event just to even make their money back. When you think back to the days when, you know, you and you and Masvidal were roommates living the broke life and then the UFC didn't even want to give you a fight. You had to campaign just to get a fight. They didn't want you in the company. Did you ever imagine that now they would be looking to you, relying on you to sell out, you know, MSG in one of the biggest fights of the year? I, you know, I, I knew this. I saw this vision since I was a little kid. I've been telling my coaches in Thurston, Oregon, you know, Mike Simons, Dave Crow. I've been telling my family, Noel Covington, Brad Covington, my whole life that I was going to be a world champion. I was going to be the best in the world. And I've stuck to it, you guys. Just like you talked about me having a clean lifestyle, not partying, just focused, driven, and, and training to evolve to get better every single day. I knew this. these days were coming. I knew that, you know, now I'm in my prime. This is my physical prime. You're not going to see a better me these next two to three years. This is the best I've ever been mentally, physically, and spiritually, you know. I believe in God. I trust his plan. And I knew I was going to be here. I knew it was just a matter of time. And I would be one of the biggest megastars in, in, in the history of this company. So I'm just excited to finally get this opportunity on such a big stage, such a big market in New York City, and obviously such an iconic arena in Madison Square Garden and to be able to headline that it's history you know I've fallen in in the footsteps of greats Hulkamania you know Ali Frazier and all these great artists you know singers uh boxers everything so it's going to be a great night November 6th I'm counting down the days and you know I'm going to be pretty quiet up until then I'm going to be training hard and and you guys haven't seen a glimpse like I said earlier so you'll see the glimpse and you'll see everything I'm about November 6th only on pay-per-view Mm. And speaking of Hulkamania, MSG title fight, feels like uh, an event that Kurt Angle should be a part of. Have you spoken to him at all? Would he be interested in coming out and officially walking you out to that octagon? We've had some chats. You know, I, I, I'll, probably, I'll probably ask him if he wants to come out, see, see, see if he can be a part of the show. You know, I'll definitely be having Little Wayne walk me out, my boy Little Wheezy. Really? He's my favorite rapper. Really, guys? Oh, I shouldn't have. Oh, I blew it here. Guys, that's a spoiler <laughs> alert. I get, hey, one of my last interviews I'm doing before my fight, and I'm giving you guys the good stuff. So you, awesome. guys, you guys can't ever say I didn't do something for you. Or, you know, you we guys can't ever talk bad about me and downplay my career and my accomplishments. But yes, Little Wheezy, my favorite artist and rapper growing up. He's the best rapper alive. You know, he should be a president. You know, he's such a such a great person, Such has such smart philosophies and ideas. But He's going to be walking me out, you know, and, and we're going to be walking out to the sky is the limit, the limit. And, you know, wow. because the sky is the limit. Wow. Donald Trump, will he be there? You know, I'm going to I'm going to put a text into him this week and, and, and a call to the family and see if they can come out. You know, it should be a uh, they should be able to as long as their schedule is not too busy doing rallies or trying to fight election integrity. You know, you don't know what's going on. There's some crazy things going on in the world. So, you know, I hope they can make it. It'll be an honor and a pleasure to have them out there. But. If not, I know they'll be watching close at home. You know, it's just a crazy world. You know, I know that there's riots going on all around the world. You guys okay down there? I, I seen all those riots going on. Yeah, the koalas are chilling. Kangaroos are chilling. We're, we're, we're pretty <laughs> pretty lax here in Australia. We're pretty all right. Couple lockdowns, Wasn't but that's about it. Wasn't there a bunch it. of protests and stuff? We've got we've got some protests, but that's because yeah, we've got a couple of cases here and there. Um, it's not too bad, man. You know, we're kind of lucky to be down here. It's, it's pretty quiet, but that's a bummer, man, because that's the only bummer because it'd be cool to have you down here so you could see all your fans in Australia and New Zealand and stuff. But hopefully when everything gets back to normal, we can um have you back out here. Dude, I was also going to say when mentioning odds and stuff, there is only one place that people can go 
to put some money down, right? And there's a place that people could go to that's giving a $1,000 bonus for first-time deposits. For those people that don't know about a Colby, what is that place? That place is mybookie.ag. It's, it's the people's sports book. It's the best sports book alive. And, it, you know, they give the best deals. They give money back. They give you all these deposit bonuses. They care about the people and they want to get the people paid. So make sure you sign up account at mybookie.ag. Use promo code Colby. Or you can use, you know, promo code. I think it's submission. Yeah, yeah you're going yeah, to be a champion now. You don't, you don't need that that extra money. Maybe give us a couple <laughs> of bucks. <laughs> yeah, you, let's, use, let's use promo code submission, my boys. Just the important thing is just go to mybookie.ag yep. and get those bets in. Let's stimulate our bank accounts. That's it. You can make Amili Amili with uh, mybookie.ag. Uh, for anyone betting on the fight, uh, just to remind them, Colby, what is, what is the prediction as we let you go? How do you see this one finishing on November 6th and November 7th in Australia, um, UFC 268 against Kamaru Usman? Yeah, I see it finishing inside the distance. I, I don't see him making it in five rounds. I don't see him making it in three rounds. I think somewhere on the third round, I finish him just like last time if he didn't stop my nut shot or he didn't stop my liver kick and, and say, you know, stop my momentum when I had him wobbly and I had him on, you know, uh, duck legs. So, you know, I just see him finishing. I mean, and I'm fueled by bang energy now. So that I'm a better me than I've ever been. And I, I just tried this swirly pop for the first time today. And might I say it's a new flavor at bang energy. Thanks to Jack O'Walk and Meg Liz O'Walk. Amazing flavor. I feel better than ever. I feel the best I've ever felt. And I can't wait for November 6th. And I'm looking fly, guys. You see my shirt, mm -hmm. Luigi Girardi. He's the best suit maker in the game. If you're in Miami, hit up my boy Luigi Girardi on Instagram. I mean, he makes the best quality crows, even just to, to chill, business casual suits, whatever you want. Luigi Girardi, hit him up. And November 6th, I'm coming back. That's right. It's going down with a bang. Kamaru Smith, Colby Covington at UFC 268. Of course, follow the man at Colby Cove MMA for the lead up to the fight, likely at the Mecca of Sports, Madison Square Garden. Colby Covington, we can't wait to see this rematch. Thank you so much for joining us. Take care. I'll see you soon.